0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Greetings and welcome on board the WDKOK live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe McGranahan is just checking to see if you turned it on today. Well, of course you're (laughs) turned on. Joe's turned on, so no, I was speaking to my about my microphone, if you don't mind. Well, Joe's microphone is on, and we have the green light above his head, so he is on the air. And there's a sign that says "on the air." That's right. It's blinking. Welcome on board, everybody. This is WDKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. going to hear from a good professor from Bucknell University who he's spoken to a number of times in the past. We'll talk to him again uh, shortly about uh, the big stimulus package and the implications uh, to the presidency as we watch what's unfolding with the uh, global pandemic. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. Uh, it will be open after our interview. we are wait Until that uh, has concluded, then we'll open up the phone line to others. You're welcome to email us. In the meantime, at onthemarket.com, and you can text us at 70236. We thank you so much for joining us. Uh, On the news line now, Professor Scott Meinke is from Bucknell University. He's a professor and is chairman of the Department of Political Science there. We've spoken to him in the past about presidential races and the goings-on inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., and its impact to how it relates to things that happen right around. Here, So, Professor, thank you so much for checking in this morning. Yes, thank you.
2: Sure, great to be with you.
1: Well, tell us, uh, the $2.2 trillion federal CARES package, uh, now that we have voted for it, we get to find out what's in it, we're learning a lot more about it. What are some of the p- sort of the positive implications and negative implications as the weeks wear on with this uh, pandemic underway, the, the $2.2 trillion federal CARES package?
2: I think there's uh, there's a a lot a lot of positive implications for the economy uh and for individual Americans it took a little while for Washington to get up to speed this was the third uh phase of a series of stimulus packages um, that Congress passed and the president signed uh but this one is really big uh, it is more than twice the size of the package that was passed uh, the big package that was passed with a lot of controversy in 2009 during the great recession uh as you said with over 2 trillion dollars involved here Um, It's going to provide, as most people I think have heard, uh, payments to most Americans uh, of $1,200 or more. Um, It's providing a massive program of loans to businesses, many smaller businesses and large ones as well. Um, It is pumping a huge amount of money into state um, unemployment uh, insurance, extending those benefits that are available, Um, and some things that are maybe a little bit less visible right now but that are going to become really important as we go down the road. Um, State budgets are usually something that takes a huge hit. Uh, during uh, big times of economic downturn we aren't seeing the effects of that quite yet but that can have effects on things like teachers and firefighters and, and, uh, and other important expenditures that states make um, this package had a down payment on providing some money into the states uh, but to your question about what's you know what's the drawback or what are we going to see as, as limitations of this um, it doesn't do it probably doesn't do enough right and it probably doesn't do enough to deal with things like uh, like the losses in the states it may not do enough in the long run uh, for unemployment benefits and and uh, and supplementing income for individuals, um, so it's pretty it's been pretty interesting to me to see that. Uh, that we have people on both sides of the aisle in Congress already talking really seriously about what would be phase four uh, when Congress comes back later in April, thinking about um, yet another stimulus package, uh, one that deals with some of those things I just mentioned. And then, you know, even President Trump was out yesterday talking about uh, some of his priorities on things like infrastructure um, and whether that, that fourth bill could try to boost the economy further by picking up some of those priorities
3: our founding fathers professor had a huge argument over whether the central government should be strong or whether the state should have supremacy that argument seems to be coming to the fore again today with some people saying the administration or the president and and his administration should take over in effect all of these things we need and distribute them and others saying the state should remain in charge and each state act according to its own needs where do you come down on this and why
2: it's a good question. I I mean, I think that this is a case where I'll say, first of all, we have seen federalism, right, the, the balance that you're describing or the tension that you're describing. We've seen federalism uh, as a helpful thing in this current crisis. Uh, we've seen a number of state governors step up and um, and take measures faster than the federal government has um, in ways that have been beneficial to the conditions, given the conditions in their state, right? Um, at the same time, when we have a big crisis uh, like the one that we face uh, or like the one that we faced in 2009 uh, and 2008, there are things that the federal government is able to do and things that the federal government if it's working well uh... can coordinate that are harder for states to do and just to give one really straightforward example of that uh, i mentioned state budgets which tend to take a hit and be really uh, difficult uh, cause difficult problems in states when there's a, a sharp economic downturn states don't have the ability uh... to Borrow lots of money, right? They don't have the ability to uh, to go into deficits in many cases, um, and the federal government does, right? And that that raises all kinds of other implications in the long term. Um, but the spending that the federal government is doing right now uh, is basically deficit spending, and that's something that the states can't do, but that a federal government, a national government can do, um, and at least in the short term can offset. Uh, problems in the states. So this is a case where I would argue, sort of, you know, putting on my professor hat, uh, that uh, that the framers were were uh, were probably wise in having in having a federal government that had some power uh, to step in in a situation like this and coordinate um, places where the states fell short. That's one of the reasons why we ditched the Articles of Confederation and went with a Constitution that gave the federal government more power than it had originally had.
1: I'm a g- g- government and presidential Trump skeptic, so anything he does, I'm assuming there's an ulterior motive, and he's up to no good. What's your view on, uh, I, I see him doing these news conferences and essentially can- doing a campaign appearance with uh, some of his favorite doctors handy. What's your view when you watch this? Do you see the you know how much is the presidential campaign influencing what we're seeing in these updates from the president, in your view?
2: i mean i i think that the president i think the presidential campaign is certainly influencing what president trump is doing and that doesn't make president trump unique as a president or a politician right uh... You know, elected officials are motivated in significant part by wanting to get reelected and as a political scientist i tend to think speaking generally and not specifically about trump that that's that's not a bad thing right we want them to get to care about what we think and to and to earn our votes and therefore to do things um, that benefit us. Um, so that in and of itself, that he's being motivated by re-election, I don't think is such a is such a bad thing. What I think is unique about Trump, and I think has been problematic for for what Trump has done, if I can be critical for a minute, um, is that he has a really short time horizon in how he thinks about public opinion and about what's good for his re-election. And so he he has made statements in this crisis and has seemingly made decisions at points in this crisis um, that are focused on what he thinks might make him look good in the next. 12 or 24-hour news cycle, and that have been not only you know, short-sighted in terms of dealing with the crisis, but that have probably been short-sighted just for the sake of, uh, of what's good for his re-election bid, um, because you know, this is a, a situation where planning ahead and, and being both realistic with the American people and, and, uh, and thinking ahead about what's needed uh, to respond will benefit him in the long run
3: looking at this crisis doctor and all the people who are involved in it do you see anyone who would qualify for a chapter in profiles and courage
2: <laughs> I mean I think we I, I think we saw this is, this answer may surprise you right uh, and it may reveal my the fact that I'm a, a, a congress scholar and i tend to think congress gets a bad rap i think congress actually did a pretty good job uh... last week now if you watch the the back and forth and the the details of what was happening there was there was a good bit of ugliness in the process of the house and the senate getting to those uh... big pieces of legislation that they passed um, but if you think about the, the relative speed with which they passed those enormous packages um and you know there's lots in there that we could quibble about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea but they did something and they did something fast and something that will make a difference in the short term um i think that is that's notable um and you know on the republican side uh republicans in in passing that package uh swallowed some things that involved you know a lot of big government intervention and spending that they're ideologically uh... tend to be uh... opposed to uh... so if you want to think about that as sort of you know taking something taking one for the team uh, something sort of courageous and on the other hand we know that sometimes uh, opposition parties, if we think of the Democrats being the opposition party right now, are are not always willing to, to jump in and, and, and throw their votes for something that's that's going to help the majority with what they're trying to do. Um, in this case, you know, Democrats were on board. Um, so both sides sort of, you know, went against what, you know, what might have been pressures to go in a different direction. Um, and we got a near, near unanimous uh, action in a relatively short period of time when you step back and kind of tune out some of the uh, some of the ugly back and forth.
1: When I identified the president on Tuesday, I called him President Trump uh, 2.0, meaning we've really seen two presidents, the one that was up to now and the one that uh, appeared about uh, two weeks ago. Did you notice the significant difference in his demeanor and his actions and activities and outlook in the past couple of weeks?
4: Yeah, he's he's changed his he's changed
2: his tune about the about the coronavirus and he's and he's changed his tune about what he's telling the American people to do and to expect. Um, and that's a, that's probably a good thing as i was implying earlier i think it would have been in the country's interest and in his interest uh, uh you know uh, more electorally if he had done that sooner right if he had prepared the country uh rhetorically um for for what was coming uh but the fact that he's doing that now i think is is a good thing um and, you know, I, it reflects some recognition of the reality on the ground and that, um, and that, he's, that he's going to have to respond to it.
3: Well, the, the chickens eventually are going to come home to roost with this deficit spending. I mean, it almost seems completely unchecked. You know, do you think Congress will ever have the res- resolve to actually dig in and do something about paying down the national debt before we get to the point that our debt service is about 75 percent of the federal budget?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we that we wind up having to think about a few years down the road uh, when when uh, when this crisis has been has been dealt with, um, and we have seen Congress at times in the past deal with really difficult uh you know finance long term financial questions uh in the 1980s congress took big action that was bipartisan to try to uh shore up social security which involved raising taxes and cutting benefits um, and if you think of uh dealing with the deficit as requiring that kind of combination of action i i think that it's something that that could happen down the road um, at the same time you know deficits are you know I think most economists would say that running deficits in the short term to deal with crises like the one we face right now—you um, know—that that, that's the right time to run a deficit if you're going to. Um, the bigger problem that we have had is not uh, spending in the crisis, but is uh, a tendency to keep our spending and our and our taxes misaligned, right? Um, and that's sort of more of a structural deficit, um, which is really the thing that is more difficult to address, uh, but that would have to be addressed in the long run. But. I don't expect that to show up on the radar screen for another year or two um, at this point.
3: Well, John Kennedy famously said in his inauguration speech, ask not what your country can do for you, what you but ask instead what you can do for your country. I notice he said that after he was elected and as he was being sworn <laughs> in. Has any politician ever won election by suggesting we tighten our belts, dig in, and solve problems?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, right? And you think about uh, you know the soaring rhetoric of Kennedy, and then you, you also think about the the um I also think about Jimmy Carter's uh, speeches uh, where he you know told people that that things were going to be long and difficult and that they should turn down their thermostats and put on a sweater and deal with the energy crisis that way, right. Um, and those things are not always well received. so I think that I think your question you know, is on point there. Um, but at the same time, it's the, it is the president's job to part of the president's job to level with the american people to set their expectations about what's coming forward and you know i think maybe some of what trump was doing yesterday uh, again a, a little too late but it's the right thing to do and and telling the americans here here's here's what we're looking at um, and here's what you here's what you need to do
1: what is the best thing that's going to come out of this? You know, we we had some very deep political divisions uh, up up to now. Uh, those were a little bit less evident as the uh, this uh, CARES package was moving through Congress. Uh, what what are some of the positive outcomes that might come out of this?
2: You know, yeah, that's that also <laughs> a good question, and I and I'm not sure that I know yet. Right? I mean. Are, would would the would the positive outcomes be uh would be something big like you know sort of a a, a diminishing of a little bit of polarization as as Americans recognize some uh some common interest um, in in addressing this that then spills over into the future maybe um but I think maybe you know maybe what's more likely is uh is that we we get some things done in the process just thinking about sort of government response that we get some things done in the process of of uh of doing these stimulus packages that uh that are that's good for the country in the long run right so if in the fourth stimulus package uh it seems that some republicans and some democrats are both talking about uh, big spending that a lot of people, uh, including President Trump, have thought was needed on things like infrastructure. Um, you know, if we think beyond the crisis, if we're able to help the economy by doing some of those kinds of things, that might be a long-run benefit that's more likely to accrue.
3: How far can we go before we wreck the economy? And then the finger-pointing that will come out of that, do <laughs> you think that will be um, you know, a Republican uh, victory or a Democratic victory?
2: Yeah, yeah well you'll have to talk to my one of one of my colleagues in in economics to get a to get a good answer to get an informed answer on how far we can go certainly we've already done a lot of damage but it's a trade-off that you know that is probably worth making when we're talking about you know lives versus the economy in the short term here um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think as we get into the 2020 campaign, um, there's going to be finger pointing and blame shifting. There's, there will be, uh, there will be attempts to, uh, to, to explain away uh, what happened and and the negative consequences of it uh, by pointing at the other side. I think that's that's politics. Uh, that's 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 the way that this is probably <laughs> going to work. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know exactly how far we can go uh, to the first part of your question.
3: Before. So business as usual. <laughs>
2: yeah, I you know politics involves politics involves uh, trying to get advantage and and making claims about the other side and and. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think we've seen we've seen a certain amount of coming together, uh it hasn't been super pretty, but a certain amount of coming together on the substance and uh I think that's probably as good as we can expect uh for the time being.
1: Anything else to add? Maybe we didn't ask you an important observation, maybe we haven't asked a question that would lead to that. Anything else?
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, one thing I would say, you didn't ask me directly about the 2020 election, um, which is probably good because I think my answer would be right now uh, that, you know, anybody who tells, tells you that they know what the implications of all of this are going to be for the presidential election is probably lying uh, because we're or making things up because we are we're in really uncharted territory Um, this is you know we are in a serious economic crisis at exactly the time in the election year when the conditions in the country usually have a big effect on what happens in the presidential election and that's with a president who's been historically unpopular in a good economy so on one hand right but then on the other hand uh, we're seeing a rally effect for incumbent politicians including trump um you know that has benefited his his public support um and and who knows what things are going to look like three uh to six months down the road here so um i think there's a lot of uncertainty about what happens in this in the upcoming election and we kind of have to think about those two sides of the equation um uh, so yeah, you didn't ask. You didn't ask me a question that I uh, that I couldn't give you a straight answer to. But that's
1: how I <laughs> Well, I knew it. you wouldn't be able to answer it, so <laughs> I thought, why even go there?
3: <laughs> well, and you're you're very fair and balanced because after doing about 25 minutes with you, I have no idea whether you're a liberal or a conservative. You sound right down the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a professional uh, professional obligation, uh, I guess, for political scientists to, to try to, you know, we, we we take sides on things, but we try not to, to take uh, Republican, Democratic sides as much as we can.
1: Fair sure. enough. Well, if you're conservative, you're surrounded by great liberal students in and around Lewisburg. We hear from them all the time, so uh, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for checking in, yes, thank uh, Dr. You. Meineke.
2: Great
1: to be with you. Take care. Appreciate that. Professor of uh, political science at Bucknell University, uh, chair of the uh, department right at the moment. So there's a burden he's got to carry. Scott Meineke from Bucknell University. Uh, We will take a quick break. And when we come back, we invite you to call us 1-800-795-9565. Maybe you have some reaction to his observations or predictions. Uh, Maybe you want to talk about how we can pay off the nearly uh, nearly $30 trillion debt that we're racking up. So. Um uh, call us now. Let us know. one 800 795 9565 You can email us at onthemarket Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark, 1-800-795-9565. Over the weeks, we've heard from folks who say the governor has no authority to shut us down and order businesses uh, to close down. Others say it's uh, sound advice from the governor to make sure you're shut down. What's your view on that? Uh, We had a professor here talking about the uh, implications. Oh, he was on the phone. Let's not... Let's not say he was here. He was we on the professor air. Professor here on our phone system. There you go, talking to us about. That's the, the truth.
3: That's the, not an editorial comment. You're speaking the truth.
1: <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> What's the real truth, Joe? Tell Earlier, us the real you truth were speaking with forked tongue. But no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Fork tongue. Oh, boy. No,
3: seriously, I mean, we're not, just so people know, we're not inviting anybody into the Yeah, studio. nobody comes in. Joe has his own microphone now, and nobody else uses it. And you seldom turn it on, so that's the truth. I it's not making sure all work. it doesn't
1: get overused.
3: You know, we've, we've had a lot of controversy going on around this thing, and the governor, of course, has been announcing that he's putting more and more counties on this do-not-go-anywhere list. And I saw an article this morning that uh, Dave Rowe, Representative Rowe, and some others have signed a letter to the governor asking him to, uh, he has banned all Uh, elective procedures you know surgical Mm -hmm. procedures but he's allowing Planned Parenthood to go ahead with abortions and some other states have stopped that and they're asking that he at least impose the same restrictions on them he's imposing on others I don't think that's unfair to you
1: well it's a big national fight that's underway so it's not just in Pennsylvania but it's going to be at other states and I believe one of the cases is uh, moving through a court system that could be to the U.S. Supreme Court before too long I forget which state it is but maybe Virginia but in any event I, I I I think a, an abortive elective procedure is different because there's a time frame involved. You have to have an abortion done before so long. Women want to get it done as soon as possible. So I, I think it's, I know it's it's done electively in a literal sense, but it is really part of comprehensive health care that women deserve. They have a right to an abortion. Doctors have the ability to do it. And so I, I think uh, I don't favor abortion. I wish women didn't have abortion. I am uh, simply being respectful of the right that women have a right to make their own choices under these circumstances. And I don't think the virus gets in the way of that. It doesn't endanger the health of the woman But it does. It uses
3: resources that should be available for first responders. It uses masks and gloves and gowns sanitary procedures, all those things that people need to get over the coronavirus are consumed in the performance
1: of an abortion. We are using masks and gloves and gowns every day for a wide range of topics. You heard uh, um, Kendra Auker say that 40 percent of the hospital ICU beds are already in use. So there's a wide range of health issues, broken arms, urgent care is busy with colds and flu, and there's a wide range of things that are happening. And this, this is sort of the baseline for the masks and and protective gear and resources. But at this moment, at the hospitals where uh, these these, uh, uh, requests are being made and in clinics where this is happening, uh, this is uh, perfectly uh, usable. Uh, We are slowly backfilling the need for masks and so on. No one needs a precious respirator in order to have an abortion. So I know that you and, and many other conservatives are very glad that this will be an opportunity to stand in the way of a woman's right to choose. I don't choose.
3: Not a woman's right to choose. I'm not saying reverse the law. I'm saying this isn't the time to do it.
1: Right. Okay. So let's wait until it's too late, then do it, right? Is that what you'd rather have?
3: Some of you liberals are content to have abortions after the child's born.
1: Lies, lies. Oh lies. man. Well, Joe's Do you gonna, have, Joe. You uh, have Am I on? Yes, Than, I want you to see. You you have to see what I see. Joe has just decided since he's not going to the grocery store and other places many times, he leaves the Fox News funnels in his ear when he comes into work now. So.
6: Oh, there's no doubt. He says he doesn't listen to Fox News, but he sure quotes them a lot. But uh, my point is, I keep hearing the Republicans say. That there's no, no crisis, you should never let a crisis go by unused or something like that, whatever the quote is. I want to note that Joe is doing that right now. He doesn't like the fact that women have the right to choose, and he says, wow, here's a point where we can get them to keep their babies, babies whether it's healthy or not. Well,
3: no, that's not exactly true, Ann. What I was referring to was a letter written by Representative Rowe and some other state representatives to the governor since he has banned elective procedures, asking him to ban abortions during this period of time since it is an elective procedure and other states have done it. I didn't express a personal opinion one way or the other except to say that I think that's not an unreasonable request.
6: That's a very unreasonable request, and it attacks women, but uh, what the heck, you don't mind doing that, because though you would say that's not true, you think of them as second-class citizens.
3: Oh, come now, Than, you know better
1: than that.
6: Well, okay, you wouldn't admit that. You probably don't even think you think that, but your statements tell you that.
1: All right, Than, call back, and we'll finish this. we got to have Joe for lunch. This is going to be a piece of cake for us. Thank you, uh, sir. Thanks for checking he- in. Oops, I'm sorry I cut off his last word. Sorry about that. Well, we have to take a break anyway. Yep, so, we're going to come back and we're also going to talk about churches pushing back against uh, some of the uh, restrictions that have been posed. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK, okay, Sunbury.
0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Greetings and welcome back. WKOK live telephone talk show underway. I am Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Joe McGranahan is directly across from us. The most fabulous person in the world is on the other side of the glass, Rob Center. And it is April 1st, uh, 2020. Don't let anybody do any April Fool's jokes. I'm glad that we're having a pandemic. It'll make April Fool's jokes a little less common around you. You may want to rethink that statement. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) That's one of the popular outcomes of this crisis is that there'll be fewer April Fool's jokes out there which I never appreciate or I never think they're funny in the first place so that's just me but I'm a curmudgeon and I'm learning to tell people Get if I had a your lawn right if I if I had a lawn I would instruct individuals who passing by to stay off of it uh, on the mark sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company family owned dealership since 1915 4th Street Sunbury Routes 11 and 15 Hummelsworth. Wharf look them up at sunburymotors.com our toll free line is open call us now 1 800-795-9565 is our telephone number we we're just talking about abortion uh, many individuals are now fighting to make sure that women do not have an opportunity to get abortions because it is an elective procedure and in most states now elective procedures aren't being done by hospitals uh, Joe uh, is arguing that of course it's a use of valuable resources that could go toward taking care of uh, people but uh, as uh, medical professionals have indicated there is a background level of medical need that is Continuing in the U.S., and of course, uh, that particular procedure uh, would be go, fall under the uh, guideline of comprehensive uh, women's uh, care. So, uh, what's your view on this? Call us 1 800 795 9565. You can email us at onthemarkwdkok.com or text us at 70236. In the news, the Pennsylvania Department of Health yesterday confirmed that there are 4,843 cases of individuals who have tested positive for COVID 19. We told you earlier, Evangelical Community Hospital had one death, that was reported Monday. It may be an individual. Snyder County also has a death associated with their numbers. Snyder County has had two positive cases of the COVID virus. It's possible that uh, one individual is the through line through three of those particular numbers. Uh, Elsewhere in the Valley, Montour County now has nine cases instead of 10 reported Monday. Union County has four, Northumberland has one. So far, neither Snyder, Union, Northumberland Montour or Columbia County are in the stand-down orders or the stay-at-home orders issued by the governor. When will this peak?
7: Dr. Rachel Levine says infectious disease modeling is very complex with many different factors considered. Levine says the State Department of Health has been working with the University of Pittsburgh School of Public Health, which has created a Pennsylvania-specific model for COVID-19.
1: And it is based upon what we currently know about the virus, and this is the tool that we have been using in terms of our modeling forecast. They and other researchers learn more about the virus, and then they update their models and their projections. And these continue to have ranges depending upon which data sets you rely on.
7: Levine says virus mitigation efforts which have been ordered by Governor Wolf could significantly impact the model. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070, WKOK.
1: On the topic of waivers, the state has received nearly 31,000 waiver requests from businesses appealing Governor Wolf's shutdown order. The Department of Community and Economic Development has approved about 5,000 requests and denied about 7,700. According to the latest numbers, uh, the governor's office is not disclosing what specific considerations go into what is life sustaining and what is non life sustaining in Pennsylvania. In Northumberland, the mayor is now barring large gatherings of people and a revised proclamation of disaster emergency. Mayor Daniel Barrard says public gatherings are now limited to 10 people or less. He said the goal is to make sure everyone in North Hamilton is in compliance with state and federal social distancing guidelines. The mayor doesn't specifically mention of it, but social media showed over the weekend one particular fundraiser with hundreds of individuals gathered at one location. Organizers just last week issued the call for Valley nonprofit organizations to step forward for the Day of Action. Now, this week, the Greater Susquehanna Valley United Way says it's canceled, was set for April 24th. Hundreds of volunteers fan out to dozens of nonprofit organizations, but unfortunately, the global pandemic uh, put the kibosh, if you will, on uh, the Day of Action. Kendra Auker, president and CEO of Evangelical Community Hospital, says that big federal package will help Evangelical continue to thrive as an independent hospital in a number of ways.
8: There
9: are Medicare payment improvements and flexibilities that were built in, like eliminating the Medicare sequester from May through December, which is much appreciative.
1: So far, Evangelical has announced they've treated about eight positive cases of COVID 19, one death, as we mentioned earlier, associated with Evangelical Community Hospital and COVID 19. And in case you didn't catch it yesterday, President Donald Trump is warning Americans to brace for a hell of a bad two weeks ahead as the White House is releasing new projections that there could be 100,000 to 240,000 deaths in the U.S. from the coronavirus pandemic, even if current social distancing. Guidelines are maintained. Public health officials stress the number could be less if people across the country bear down on keeping their distance from one another. Dr. Deborah Burks, the coordinator of the White House Corona Task Force, Coronavirus Task Force, says uh, we really believe we can do a lot better than that if all Americans take seriously their role in preventing the spread of COVID 19. And those are the very latest headlines. Everything I've read on the radio is posted at WKOK.com, and we invite you to go to Outbreak Coronavirus, our Clearinghouse page at WKOK.com. Back to the phones, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com, and you can text us at 70236. Joe, upper right corner.
3: One of our writers says, concerning abortions, don't you think it's ironic that the Republican Party's stance on abortion is? totally unyielding they want every child no matter what the circumstances to be born the ironic part of it all is that these same conservatives are the first to vote to cut all programs food related wick etc geared to feed these children in other words let them be born
1: just don't feed them one 795 right, 1-800-795-9565 the open fine, joseph uh, joseph is our first caller of this hour good morning sir thanks for calling in you're on the mark
10: Hey, yes. Uh, Shalom to you. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, Yes, I was uh, listening to Billy Graham's son, Franklin, on the TV the other day, yesterday, and he said, uh, God is not angry with us. Uh, Now, he's supposed to be a spokesman for God. Well, I wonder, uh, in the scriptures, it's the only way we can know about God, or his name is Yahweh. And so David, King David, was a, a righteous man. He did things wrong, and he repented of them. But Yahweh said that King David was the apple of his eye. He loved David very much. And uh, I just want to read something to you here about how Yahweh feels about different things that the king did and how he retributed punishment upon innocent people because of what the king did. And this is found in Second Samuel 20, verse one twenty-four okay, chapter 24. And again, the anger of Yahweh was kindled against the Israel, and he enticed David, Satan had enticed David to number Israel to take a census, okay? Well, now, it seems like an innocent thing to take a census.
3: But where, where, where are we headed? I'm not certain that, that oh, okay. how that relates well, to well, where we're there, going.
10: One second here, okay? okay. <laughs> now, my point is simply this. Yahweh calls the plague, to fall on Israel, a virus, uh, pe- you look up the word pe- pe- pestilent and pandemic; it's synonymous. And in verse fourteen of chapter two or chapter twenty-one in First Chronicles, it says, "And Yahweh sent pestilence on Israel, and there fell in Israel seventy thousand people. It was because of what David did. David then realized that he did wrong; he repented of it, and Yahweh stayed the plague. But seventy thousand people had to die. Now I say this." that the Supreme Court and the leaders of this land and uh, would repent of abortion, killing unborn babies, and of homosexuals marrying each other, men with men and women with women, which the word of Almighty Yahweh is totally against, Old and New Testament, all times, uh, we would see some healing in the land. You can pray that this virus go away. David could have prayed all day uh, that the virus, would, would, uh, the pestilence, would have been taken away. But if he didn't repent, Nothing would have happened. You, you see my point.
1: Right, so we can pray all day, Y'all but unless we that, turn around. Not only
10: with this nation, but with the world. This is an epidemic around the world. This is a pandemic. And all nations, I heard on the news the other day, there are 50,000 abortions a year worldwide. Now, we know there's been over 50,000 since R.V. Way here in the United States, or 50 million, excuse me, but 50 million worldwide every year, worldwide. You think he doesn't get angry at things like this because of the leaders that allow this this atrocity uh, of murdering, cutting up unborn babies in the womb of a mother? It's ridiculous, and and all the as many other things. But if you read the Bible, you'll see how he uh, put judgment on his own people, Israel, because of the things that the kings did. Innocent people had to suffer because of that, and that's my point. Okay. We must repent.
1: All right, okay. gotcha. You. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for Thanks for the in. information. Thank uh, you. Al, next up. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. You're on the mark.
8: <laughs> well, it must be us Bible beaters morning because the important people took up the phone the other days. But uh, before you even started talking about abortion, I did some figuring, and my formula was uh, the pro life said about 64 million in the last 50 years were aborted. So you take that 50, 64 million, divide it by 50. And then uh, divide it by 12, and then times it by two, and you come up with the amount of people that die in two months uh, due to abortion that are murdered due to abortion. And it's 213,333.33, and the .33 could be the twin that escaped and only has one arm and part of a leg to go through, part of one leg to go through life. Um, I think he is right on, and his
3: who's right on. The
8: sermon he gave, and I think we need to repent and make a new covenant with the Lord. And it just is shining through so obvious that if you're a good God-fearing Christian, you know that this is just life on earth, and we have eternal life. So just God bless everybody, and we ought to be thankful that we do live in the United States. And we are getting this opportunity to work together, and maybe at the end of it we can all repent and make a new covenant with our Lord. And he'll smile again upon this great nation.
3: Well, I, I, I think what started this wasn't... Uh, I don't think we intended to get into an overall discussion of abortion, although we can go any direction the listeners want to take us on this program. But we specifically, we're talking about Representative David Rowe's letter uh, to the governor, along with some other state representatives, saying, hey, if you're halting elective procedures, halt them all, including telling Planned Parenthood to knock off abortions during this pandemic. And I don't think when that's an unreasonable thing to they do.
8: They 213,000 babies. How many are gonna to die to the pandemic over the whole two months? So what is the worst evil here?
3: Well, I don't know. They're saying up to 100,000 people, if we don't change, could easily die, and the number could go higher if we don't follow the guidelines. So exactly. there could be a lot of when people the dying.
8: Immunity, and we should be protecting the old and the vulnerable, not destroying an economy that took hundreds of years to develop and is now on the mend. The only thing we really need to do is you, they're going from one extreme to the other. They say if you do nothing, 2,000,000.2 2 will die. Uh, if you if you do this, maybe only 200,000 will die. Well, that's a 1 in a 10. 5 in the middle there is sensible.
1: Oh, okay. The <laughs> yeah, unless you're one of the half a million people who dies or, or part of their family, there's going to be well, a lot of I people.
8: Well, I have a mother that's at great risk. I have and absin- everybody that's at great risk, and, and Right now, they're suffering because we can't see them. Okay. We go over and look, through a, look through a window and talk to them on a the phone, and they're becoming more confused every day and more isolated.
1: So you'd what rather? Is
8: worse? I mean, that's no way to live either. But right. see, I, I feel as if I live here on Earth to complete a mission, and I have Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I do the best I can. So someday I may be rewarded with eternal life with Father in Heaven.
1: All right. Well, I think we all have that hope. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, i Appreciate Appreciate the call. your call. 1-800-795-9565. We've got a caller standing by. We'll take more lined up. We've got two emails pending. Line them up, folks, at onthemarkatwkok.com or call 1-800-795-9565. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Uh, On the mark, uh, let's clear the board. Go ahead, Joe. Right. Uh, Dick says, You
3: are going to open a can of worms once again. We pretty much know how your listeners line up on abortion. Why revisit this subject? We have more serious issues to think about. Just my two cents. Well, this is an issue related to the virus because the governor is allowing, uh, stopping some procedures, but allowing others to go forward. If he's going to limit my freedoms,
1: he has to limit everybody's freedoms. Right, want, I don't think that's unfair. Wanted, and I've made it clear that this is part of comprehensive health care and decision-making that women should enjoy in a timely fashion, not waiting until this is over. Then uh, one of our texters says, The
3: shy is falling. I think he means sky. I think he sky means sky. The sky is falling. Sounds like the end is coming. April Fool's. <laughs> well, and uh, let's see one more. This no. One. Oh, okay. There you go. Happy April Fool's Day and U.S. Census Day. Try not to let anyone fool you today. The division of us is still intact, we will just begin again where we left off, unless one side makes all the concessions. Jesus said it well, let the tares and the wheat grow together, and I will come back, I'll take care of it. Have a nice day, gentlemen.
1: All right, thanks for the... We uh, are. We have a lot of open lines, one 800 You can email <laughs> us at on the mark at WKOK.com. We have empty lines, and hopefully no empty heads. Well, let's find out. Dale, you're on the mark. I want
11: to uh, just go back and say, you know.
3: I think Dale left us. Oh, I think he fell over. I don't know. It didn't sound good. It sounded like he had some sort of a distress <laughs> situation. <laughs> like he had a stroke
1: or something. Dale, we hope you're all right, buddy. <laughs> Feel back. free to call us back. All right. We got open lines. 1 800 795 9565 is our telephone number. That's 1 800 795 9565. One of our listeners says, don't even joke. No, I <laughs> I'm agree Sorry. With that. <laughs> I guess I ruined that moment. All right. Well, let me tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family owned dealership since 1915. Four 4th Street, Sunbury, and routes 11 to 15, Hummelsworth. Find out tons more about them at sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. I've been there dozens of times to get pumped up with nitrogen, get my body work done, got myself aligned, and uh, got my inspection. So I'm good to go, plus my vehicle's fine. Uh, you can, They are open uh, even as we speak Monday through Friday, 6 30 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 6 30 a.m. to 2 p.m. You have a particularly unique opportunity to examine all of the cars on the lot. Uh, The salespeople are only there by appointment, so you don't uh, have to necessarily get the informed view that they would bring to a discussion if you'd like to be left alone, which lots of our folks like to do that. So it's a rare opportunity. But visit the Sunbury Motor Company, and you can check out every vehicle that's on the lot in advance at sunburymotors.com. You can leave an email for Jason or Jeff or Ernie or Austin or Kyle, and they'll hook you up and make sure that you're uh, good to go at the Sunbury Motor Company. one 800 795 Five's our telephone number. Bill, you're on the mark. Thanks for checking in today.
4: Hey, doing, Mark? Good. Good. Uh, to put some, I don't know what word is, perspective, but on numbers on the uh, account that they're saying, now, yesterday we were stressing around 100000 and like you guys said this morning, up to 240000 And it's panicking a lot of people. I had a my wife said something about it, and I said to her, I said, Look at look at this picture here. If it's September, you're at a Penn State game, up home. There's 100,000 people there. That number stops. Everybody in that stadium would be gone. But everybody else in the state of Pennsylvania and the rest of the United States would be still living. Now, this is where this number takes a different turn. You put the same stadium now, where they're trying to let people stay at home and not travel state to state, and you have 70. Let's say you have 90,000 people up there that are healthy, and then put another 10,000 in there that are not healthy. Now you're going to start filling stadiums in Michigan, USC, and everything. That balloons it up to 240,000, or even could it up to the millions, which they say that one model's This Just saying, people, some people are panicking, but if you look at that number, I think it's representative.
1: Well, and that's it, if we uh, take all the precautions we're taking now. If we take none, then we're into millions.
4: Right. But I'm just saying, if you if you look at that hundred thousand, it's a bad number. I agree. But put it into perspective, it could be a lot worse. And I'm just trying to calm people down. That you know they, they think that the whole state of Pennsylvania would die or Delaware. It's it's just a number to look at.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, people who argue that we shouldn't be standing down say, well, a lot of people are going to die this year anyway. Half the people that are in the vulnerable groups that would die from COVID are going to die anyway this year. You know, so that's what happens tragically is uh, people age and die. So or they get in an accident or things like this. So a lot of
3: Bernie gets his way. We'll have socialized medicine, ration all the care and the old will die anyway.
1: Uh, The person who said what I'm saying didn't say that, so in any event, uh, I I see what you're saying that, you know, you can try to put it in perspective, you know, sort of what we're up against here.
4: Uh, My wife and I have been social distancing and everything, you know, only going to the store when we need and everything, you know, and and we're following the guidelines. And, and from pretty much from what I've seen on the roads and everything, I think people, at least in our area, are doing the same thing.
3: Yeah, they do seem to be following it. I, my wife does not go out. I do the grocery shopping. I, I guess I'm the sent out to shoot the bear, if you will. But <laughs> I've seen a lot of couples shopping, and I'm not certain I understand why. It seems to me that one person could do it, which would limit yeah. the limit the risk that both of them take.
4: Yeah, yeah. My wife hasn't been out much either. But uh, I mean, I but I agree. And like I said, but it's it's not as crowded as you would think at places. That that I that I know. So that's that's my idea.
1: All That's right, good. Thank, thank you so hey, We much. appreciate your call. Thank, thank you. Call again. Well, and there's two philosophies on the shopping, too. Some people will go from store to store to find precisely what they want, and other people will go to a store, and they'll accept whatever brands are there, assuming they find, you know, right. essentially the, the type of product that they're looking for. So there's different ways to attack this. We are talking about State Representative David Rowe is asking our governor uh, to make sure that abortion is considered a truly elective procedure and is not permitted uh, during the non-essential business shutdown that has impacted many businesses and hospitals. Uh, I am arguing that the other side of this coin is that abortion is part of comprehensive health care for women and that it it, it must be done in a timely fashion in order to be legal at all.
3: And I'm arguing that the resources expended on them during
1: this time of pandemic could be better used elsewhere. Right and this is uh, part of that background level of health care that continues despite the virus. So we will We'll take more comers on this discussion or anything related to the global pandemic. Call us now 1 800 795 9565 is our telephone number. That's 1 800 795 9565. Call us now. Go ahead, Joe. Yes, one of our prescient writers says. Was Than pranking
3: this morning? I did hear him say that even if Joe doesn't know what he's thinking about women's rights, that he, Than, knows what Joe is thinking. (laughs) Than's a mind reader. We're
1: glad to say that we do not know what Joe is thinking. (laughs) Uh, Good morning, Uh, Debbie. You're on the mark. Thanks for calling in today.
9: Good morning. I just wanted to say something about the virus. Uh, Blame is not going to correct the virus, or blame is not going to keep us from getting it. Uh, We're all Americans, and Americans are are wonderful, tough people. It's time to come together and move forward, not not look backward and blame. Uh, Maybe we could learn from the past, but pull together. uh, Have that spirit that they had, you know, many years ago in the 20s and 30s, and check with your neighbors. Phone them. See if they need something. See if they need medicine. Uh, groceries, things of that nature. Uh, let's let's just stop the blaming, and let's try to move forward and and solve this. That's that's all I. Have to well,
1: say. which blaming particularly are you targeting? Like when people say the president, some people say the president was slow to come around in this topic. Is that what you mean, or something right. else? And,
9: and Congress and different things and China and whatever. Uh, it's here. You know. Let's move forward and try and correct it uh the blame isn't whoever we blame for it that's not going to correct this or stop us from from getting the virus so let's move forward let's let's uh do what we can to, to get rid of this, but stop blaming
3: people. It's a, wonderful, That's um, work. it's a wonderful idea, but we're talking about this in a political election year <laughs> where the president's up for election. So I agree with you. I think it'd be great, but I don't know how much we're going to get out
1: of that, Debbie. Well, and I don't think the president is being blamed because it's an election year. I think people probably don't agree with his observations, his remarks, or his conclusions, as always. Look at Governor Ridge. You know, he's really on the hot seat here for these waivers since it's Governor all... Governor Ridge? To... Oh, I'm sorry. What <laughs> year are you in? Governor Wolf. I'm sorry. I was, you know what I was thinking. Well, never mind. I'll tell you what I was thinking of later. But anyway, the um, the Governor Wolf is really on the hot seat because of these waivers and so on. Well, he has absolutely no stake in this in terms of re election. You know, so his actions and decisions and remarks are in no way related to re election. So they're not politically motivated. Uh, it wouldn't help him. He hasn't suggested anybody who is a Democrat follow him in that office. He's just trying to deal with the pandemic. So I think the, it, it, we we might be a little bit more on the p- same page than maybe Debbie's alluding to. But, of course, you're sensitive to this, Debbie, so you notice that more.
9: Okay. Well, I just wish everybody would pull together and move forward. All, all right.
1: right? Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. Thanks for calling, uh-huh. Debbie. Appreciate your uh-huh. call. Thank you so much. Bye. I guess I don't agree with her, but I, I just think the president is so wrong on so many things. Oh, no, I'm sorry. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Let's go to Dale, since we had him established earlier, and he fell off his chair, yeah, but now cut he's me back off. on.
3: Cut me off. All
1: right. Uh, no, we didn't. We did whoa, not whoa, cut whoa, your,
3: whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't cut you off. You cut us off.
1: Your phone went uh, dead.
3: Your phone went dead.
11: I'm talking, and, and I didn't hear nothing. Well, uh, <laughs> I went back and listened to the first debate between... Hillary and uh, Trump and Hillary were like spot on I don't know how you add 10, $10 trillion dollars to our debt in 3 years that's 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 amazing But it, it, I ain't blaming Trump but those numbers 240,000 deaths that is a political number because it's a win-win for both the medical community and Trump so when those like I said the H1N1 killed 17,000 and Obama didn't withdraw $22 out of our stock market and stole everyone's, you know, retirement. So I would go back and listen to that. I mean, I'm not a Hillary supporter, but that lady told the future. I mean, this guy really tanked us. I mean, I mean, I know people like Trump because of his demeanor, but you've got to check your retirement, people. I mean, he really did a number. I mean, I, I don't even know how he's How gonna did President
1: back. Trump hurt anyone's retirement?
11: He, uh, I mean, what's more or worse, 17,000 dead or 4,000 dead?
3: What's that got I to mean, do Obama with his retirement?
11: Didn't Obama didn't tank the economy, H1N1. I mean, 17,000 people died.
1: Well, yeah, I this mean, is different.
11: <laughs> okay, there, there's 13,000 more dead on the H1N1. He played it pretty smooth, and I don't even think the American people really felt it. But
1: All right, we'll have we'll this conversation in two situation. weeks. Yeah, well, do,
11: we'll, well listen, listen to that debate between Hillary and, and, and Trump, the first debate, and she called him right out. She's like a fortune teller.
1: I cannot think of any suggestion from a listener I'd be less likely to take. But thank you, Dale. Appreciate <laughs> the call. I, if I get that bored, <laughs> that may, I may end it all. <laughs> we'll see you at The Outlook. We'll take a quickie break. We'll be right back. Stand by, callers. We're going to be right there. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Shirley, you are on the phone. Thanks for calling in today.
12: I would like to know what people think about uh, the communities uh, closing their recycling centers. Can you just imagine what that's going to be like once they reopen them up again? And what are we to do with the things that we recycle in the meantime? Uh, I'm just so upset about that that you have no idea. And you know what's going to happen? People will be putting that in their garbage, and there it's going to go to our landfills. So I, I just like to know what other people think about that. You're out in the open air when you take those things down to be recycled. I don't understand it. I really don't. Well, I did
1: Sunbury close the recycling? Yes, they did. Oh.
12: Yes, they, they did. did. Yes, okay. they did. And I understand Northumberland, uh, is closing those, theirs forever. You, that you won't be able to take anything. But my concern is, I think about my, uh, grandchildren, great grandchildren, the future. All that stuff is going to go to the landfill. Nope. Nobody's going to store that stuff. Where are you going to store it? Well, there
3: are other options, Shirley. Um, most of the refuse removal services offer a recycling bin that you can rent, I think, for a month, and then they come once a month and pick it up, and you just put all your recyclables in there. A yeah, single
12: stream. Yes, but that costs you money.
1: Right. No, it'll cost I, you money. I'm a senior,
12: I'm a senior citizen, and... You don't understand when when you're on a fixed income, you try to save wherever you can.
3: Well, it costs plus, you money. It costs you money to take it to the uh, transfer station too. You have to pay fifty cents or seventy five no, a, a dollar now. Okay.
12: So they charge you three seventy five or something, maybe sometimes more. It depends on how much garbage you have. But you know, uh, you just try to save. I'm just saying. I would like to know what other people think about that. All
1: right. Well, we'll see and if we also, can find somebody.
12: I have another a concern is uh... that you can't go to a hairdresser anymore uh... being an elderly person i cannot do my hair anymore i'm eighty eight years old and i i uh, loved going to the hairdressers and get my hair washed and i call that hygiene to keep yourself looking presentable and right. keep yourself clean so that's another thing. I, I just would like to know what other people think about
1: that. And I thank you for taking my call. All right. Well, yeah. Thank no, you thank very you. much. On the recycling, you can hometown disposal is one of the fine local advertisers on WKOK, and they are still doing the single stream recycling. I do not recall the cost. Um, it's more than a dollar, but right. it's less than ten dollars a month. I mean, I don't remember. I uh, no, my precise. son and daughter-in-law have one of those containers. It's in their so garage. darn convenient. I mean, it's, even if it got too expensive, it would be hard to give up now. We're done with uh, separating the recyclables, but in any event, so that's that's one advertiser. And the Sunbury Municipal Authority will reopen their uh, facility at one point. One of our listeners says it's a staffing issue. Right, so. and
3: that that is the truth. They ran okay.
1: out. Uh, don't have enough people to keep it going at the moment, apparently. Okay, so uh, but they'll reopen if you just have some place, some place, somewhere, somehow to store it. I mean, that's what you want to but do. But I,
3: I think Shirley brings up a good point about you know grooming, uh, staying healthy. It's oh, like for the health care, dental offices are closed and yet dental health is extremely important to your overall physical well-being and even things like being able to get your hair cut or trimmed I mean that's part of grooming try and keep you neat I don't I can't imagine a bunch of us with long scraggly hair although I don't have that problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're going to want a haircut soon. I mean, you. Do, I was due today. You do. Oh, is now's the time? Yeah, you're looking a little fuzzy there. So yeah, I'm gonna, well, can well, you do wait that to, yourself? Maybe I'm going to look like Larry David in another few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, but as for the hairdressers, perhaps if you called your hairdresser and said, you know, uh, hopefully that individual is COVID-free, and uh, we we think this lady probably is too. So maybe under these circumstances, since it's an essential service, that's Really, well, part it's not it.
3: essential. That's the governor's decree. Right, that that's it's not essential. Right, that's the governor's
1: essential. view on this. But I think we could probably sneak one under the radar if if we have, if everybody's careful and everybody well, wears a mask. I can go with the
3: alternative. My wife volunteered to cut my hair, but I'm not certain I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. <laughs> Why don't you
1: shave your head? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> okay, I, I think that if, if I were bald, I would do that in a heartbeat. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Chris, thank you so much for waiting uh, through all of our good callers to get to you. You're on the mark. Thanks for calling in.
7: And I'd say it's not worth dying for, and keep don't keep giving bad advice like that.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, that lady's yeah. tough. She won't be a and, goner if she gets it. She's too tough.
7: The the. Previous caller, yeah, I think we should all work together too, and I'll be very happy when the president starts starts doing it.
1: But you won't do it until he does it. <laughs> That's pretty well.
7: Good. If somebody's got to answer him when he's uh, telling lies in his own favor about what he's done and what what what's going on. Uh, he leaves himself open to criticism, and he should be expected to be criticized for it. I agree with the professor that uh he works in 12 to 24 hour cycles and he made a lot of bad decisions because of that.
1: Well, That's and I think the what president what the is said. the president is no far le- more he, his f- president is far more concerned about his approval rating than he is the fall right, election at exactly. this point.
7: And and he made a lot of bad decisions and he was worried about the stock market and he didn't didn't do do things in the in the. Time that he had when he could see what was happening in other countries. And you're always saying,
3: you always saying you believe in the scientists, but Dr. Bricks of last night said that no one could have seen this coming, and that when she when it happened, she was in Africa she and she, she thought, now let me fin- let me finish, let me phrases. finish for a change, would you? Let me finish. She said that she was in Africa when this happened, and she had she her reaction was, this isn't going to be bad. So I mean, the same thing is true of the president. He's not a mind reader. He's not a soothsayer he has to deal with what's in front of him.
7: It's your time now, not mine, right? (laughs) Now it's yours. (laughs) Okay, that's, that's just not true. The president keeps putting that lie out, too. Nobody could ever see this coming. When people did as early as before January, and certainly by the middle of January, and very much so by the end of January,
1: all right, well, let's just stipulate the president blew it. Let's go
7: on. Uh, I would also so like to say that the comment about Hillary was kind of right on. She said a lot of things that were right during the campaign that kind of nailed Trump. But uh, uh, I'm, I don't expect uh, most uh, Republicans would objectively listen. Just like all the Republicans now do not want to talk about blood on hands because of government decisions, that you object to that. I understand it perfectly. I think you're probably right. Doing phrasing things that way is wrong and saying that you talked about lives saved in the same way is wrong because of other things that are going on. But when it was Hillary and Benghazi who talked about blood on her hands all the time because of governmental decisions that really weren't were barely in her purview?
1: Okay, so so the
7: Republicans did.
1: Moving forward, w- w- Moving forward, what should we do?
7: Okay, moving forward. I agree with uh, Sydney that uh, the the uh, one of the things dear to our leader's heart is the cruise ships. Maybe because they stopped the hotels. I don't know why. But he loves cruise ships, and they're not registered in the United States, and they pay very little in taxes to the United States because of that. And uh, why should they be in the bailout? Part of the... The bill.
3: Well, many Americans go on those cruises and like them, and they enjoy them. So maybe yeah, he's supporting say, something we fine, like.
7: But they, they don't pay American taxes. They pay very little in American taxes. So why should America be bailing them out?
3: They pay port taxes every time they land in the United States. What a lot of people, a lot of Americans work on yeah, too. Yeah, but
7: most of it isn't, and they aren't their ships aren't registered in the United States. But the and same thing of, is true uh, with they the, aren't necessarily even United States businesses. All same the Same thing is
3: true with shipping generally. Most of the ships are registered in foreign countries like Liberia, which yes. as I recall is so landlocked. They so, so they
7: don't have to obey our rules. So, so we shouldn't. Why should we be bailing them out?
3: So well, if we're not going to the bail the them out, don't bail I out agree any with shipping industry.
7: About is that she nailed? the one thing that was worth tuning into the president's press conferences he has the official experts on that one lady is very much she phrases everything very pro-trump that was and and that that meet the press show you were talking about the other day that wasn't uh... making fun of her he was just astonished that she could avoid answering the question in a meaningful way, time and time again, when he gave her three opportunities to. And then she said, uh, I, did, I came here to say this. That is, she didn't come here to answer questions. You come to an interview on Meet the Press, you think you come there to answer questions. No, she came in to, to make announcements. And announcements wasn't what he was asking her about. And her, the question he was asking her about was very important.
1: All, All right. right. So Chuck Todd was so fair. Okay, Chris, we got <laughs> ten seconds left. Go I, I, right ahead.
7: He gave her three chances to answer, and, and he, it wasn't a she didn't get. He didn't get abortion. the
3: answer he wanted. the The answer he wanted her he, to give. No, so he, he kept asking the question over and over again
7: the question at all. She
3: did too. Three times she gave him the row. an
1: she gave him an answer he didn't like. All right. Thank you so no, much, Chris. Thank you thank you thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. Thank you for checking in. No, oops, I got rid of the wrong oh. call. Hold that. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for calling in. There we go. All right. Do we gotta take a quickie break, uh, we will be right back. Just scratching my nose. I know. <laughs> Joe and I are lamenting how difficultly impossible and actually just not physically possible to not touch your face.
3: Well, when your nose itches, you don't have too many choices. I always use a pencil. Well, you still have to pick the pencil up, and if you need the pencil, that's over there. It's a foreign object. All right. On the topic of recycling, yeah. One Tom our... says Mench's recycling is probably open. It's behind the old trolley barn on Edison Avenue. Right. And okay. if you have a lot of
1: aluminum, they'll pay you for it. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that's a scrapper. Uh, another one. Person says I'm done with Chris. Time's up, please. Nothing positive from him. And on the topic of recycling at the municipal authority, says nothing. Are working with reduced staff a priority issue to keep staff safe and healthy by working shifts? And All that's right. true. Well, yeah, we're. We can live without recycling for a short time, uh, Bobby. You're on the mark. Thanks for waiting.
10: Yes. Uh, um, good morning. I I have a I'm going to say a, s- a suggestion. Uh, you know, take preventative uh, measures. Wear I mean, you know, wear protective clothing, gloves for this uh, uh, type thing. I mean, you know, when you do certain uh, occupations and certain uh, tasks and whatever. Uh, uh, you know, I auto, you know I automatically put gloves on to work on stuff. Now, I mean you know, j- but but like if you have to go um, out and about and that, just to uh, kind of think before you act and uh, take precautions, Ooh. and that way, uh, uh, I'm going to say it'll reduce the um, likelihood of spreading something.
1: All right, yeah, sound advice. That should help us stay Alrighty. safe. Thank you so much, Mike. You're next up on On the Mark. Thanks for calling in.
13: Yeah, my circadian rhythm is getting all goofed up, and I'm not even making it up out of bed in time to hear you guys' show anymore, almost. (laughs) but uh, Anyway, uh, I I was kind of upset listening to, I think it was Jim Acosta yesterday, wanting the president to admit that he was going to have blood on his hands and, and all that business. But... I, I, so what I did was I went on and did some research, and I went back and I found some New York Times articles and Wired magazines. I don't know if you if you know Wired magazine. It's basically the Bible for the uh, te- the techie generation. I haven't read case, an issue
1: of that in almost 24 hours.
13: <laughs> What's that, Wired,
1: the magazine? Wired magazine? Yeah, we get it here.
13: Okay, yeah, it's, it's a great magazine. But in any case, both of those outlets had articles that essentially said, we need to de-escalate the war on the coronavirus. Now, this was early on, but their position was that hey, this is just like the flu; it only affects certain people, and uh, we, so we, we don't need to go crazy on this and and, and all that. So, basically, uh, the the paper of record is kind of a liberal-leaning thing, and, and I take it that Wired is. So, we've had a complete 180 switch now by the, the liberal media. Uh, they, they've abandoned what they said in the beginning, and now they're going after and attacking Trump. Okay, so that's that's my one point. My other point is this. I find it very interesting, and, and I know there's scientific reasons that the number one location for this uh, virus hurting people so badly is New York City, okay? So is there anyone that's considering the fact that maybe this wasn't an accident, that maybe this was... Something that was unleashed on the world on purpose.
3: Well, there is some school of thought that China has has a uh, what he called a a virus um, task force. Well, no lab laboratory or something in Wuhan. What is it, Mike Levine or Mike Levin? He's been saying that, and that somehow it got loose, and it's. um, you know, the, the other thing that I find most troubling is I heard a couple of the experts saying yesterday that the Chinese, they don't believe the Chinese are sharing with us all the information they've gained on this and all the things they've done, and they don't trust the data coming out of China. I guess that makes them racist in this day and age, but it seems to me that, you know, it's a communist country and it has a totalitarian government, and, if, and I can't believe they would be telling the truth 100% of the time just on general principles.
13: Exactly. And I, I may have mentioned before, but the, the people in China, they're raised to believe that they're going to be the rulers of the world. This this world is theirs. And I, I have to think that it, it could possibly be... I, I'm hoping that our, our the people that get paid big money in Washington, D.C., the scientists and the high-tech people are really looking at this to see if it is something that may have been a, a planned attack. And the other thing I have to wonder is... There's a lot of people saying that which country, the United States or China, comes out of this the strongest is going to be the one that has the upper hand in controlling the economy, controlling the monetary system and all that. So Trump is right in a way. This is a war. We have to get our economy back. I mean, how long can this go on where factories are shut down and... It's just mind-boggling sure. when we yep. stop and think about it. I think we're all in a state of shock, actually.
3: Well, there was another report yesterday that said China is providing more leadership in the world on this issue than we are. You know, But on the other hand, they're saying, well, President Trump has said Americans first, and we're going to deal with it to our citizens' benefit before we worry about the rest of the world. So I guess it depends on which way you look at the situation. Should we be more focused on what the rest of the world is doing or what's going on here in our country?
1: America first. Yep. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate the call. One of our listeners says, FYI, our single stream recycling is on hold in Mifflinburg. Until further notice. All right. So hopefully they'll get that back up. Well, this is going to be a major pivot point on recycling. When, when recycling returns, it'll never be the same. We'll talk <laughs> about that later. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK. OK Sunday. We'll be back with another edition of On the Mark tomorrow.